Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast where we bring together top actors in the smart city arena, sparking dialogues and interactions around the stakeholders and themes most prevalent for today's citizens and tomorrow's generations. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and I hope you will enjoy this episode and gain knowledge and connections to accelerate the change for a better urban life. Smart in the City is brought to you by Babel Smart Cities. We enable processes from research and strategy development to co-creation and implementation. To learn more about us, please visit the Babel platform at babel-smartcities.eu. So, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you all had a very rejuvenating holiday break. Um, to bring you all back into the flow of the podcast, we have the very first episode of a special collaboration with one of Babel's EU-funded projects called SMC Net Zero. About SMC Net Zero, so the SMC Net Zero Collaboration Network supports small and medium-sized cities to achieve decarbonization through co-creation, knowledge building, and digital resources. So um, we're going to be doing a bit of a series, but it will be spread out over the coming year or so. So this will be the first of the series. You get a little taste and then you're going to have to wait a little bit. Um, but with me today, I have a wonderful crew for you to introduce the project. Um, I have three project partners from SMC Net Zero. And I would very much like to introduce you to them. So first up, sitting next to me, a pro of the podcast, it's her third time on here. I was just, we were just talking that we think it's, uh, I think she's the person we've had the most on the podcast so far. Um, so it's Nikita Shetty, my lovely colleague, who is our UK and Ireland lead for Babel. So welcome, Nikita. Glad to be here again, Tamlin. Thank you. Glad to have you. Um, and next up, I have Graham uh, Coakley. He's a partner at Urban DNA in the UK. Welcome, Graham. Thanks. And last but certainly not least, we have Rebecca Walsh. She's EU Projects Officer for the Southern Regional Assembly in Ireland. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that we always start off with a little bit of a teaser question to get going. Um, <laughs> and this is an old favorite. Um, and so it is in the city that you're sitting in right now. So the city that you live in, if, if it were uh, an animal, which animal would it be? Nikita, <laughs> I'm making you go first. While I keep coming on the podcast, this is not my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> um, I would say horse for Stuttgart. I'm based in Stuttgart. And um, uh, the name was of the city was also derived from a horse. So I think because there was a lot of horsing activity around, it, there still is. So I would say a horse. <laughs> good, good answer. Um, good, Rebecca, you're the next victim. Uh, what sure. would you like to what would you like to pick um so i'm in waterford city um in ireland um so i think i would pick um a seahorse um it's waterford so we're on the coast there's a lot of water we've got the river um also um we're most famous probably for waterford crystal um and uh, the logo is also a seahorse so yeah there you go perfect <laughs> i haven't had that answer yet i don't think yet Oh, great. I'm so good. Good choice. Graham? <laughs> Try this one for size. So a meerkat. Okay. You have to first say where you're located. Yeah. So I'm based in a boin. A boin is probably something that nobody will know. It's a very, very small village rather than a city in Scotland. Um, and, and I would say it's a meerkat um, because it's intriguing. 
It's agile and swift in motion. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to look up videos of meerkats to, to prove this validity, but <laughs> um, but good answer. I've also never had that one. I actually never had any of them, I think, before. So good. Some original answers. So now that we're all warmed up, I would love um, you all to tell uh, the audience a bit about your backgrounds. Who are you? Where did you come from? What led you to your role today? So Rebecca, I'd like to hear from you first. Sure. Um, so... I guess um, my previous roles have all been quite varied. Um, I've worked in sales, communications, events. Um, I've, I've travelled a bit. Um, so actually a lot of my previous roles were kind of anchored in tourism and travel, um, which is great. Um, I'm pretty new to EU projects. Um, I started my role with the Southern Regional Assembly in February. Um, so I'm loving it. Um, I am working on SMC Net Zero. I've got another project, Robin, um, which is focused on the circular bioeconomy. So it's all incredibly interesting. Um, I'm really loving it. Cool. Really interesting background. So uh, Nikita, please tell us. Um, I have a background in energy and environment. Uh, I previously worked actually in the automotive industry uh, back in India and then started working as a researcher at Fraunhofer in Stuttgart, actually, uh, working on EU projects, one of the first smart cities and communities project, Triangulum, actually, and um, started off with Babu uh, when it was founded six years ago. I focus a lot on working with public sector organizations across Europe, focusing a lot more in UK and Ireland on supporting them in their decarbonization journey, in their smart city journeys. And um, this actually project came up as an idea when we were doing some of these projects and realized that there was a gap for small and medium-sized cities in terms of um, available information and resources. So that's how um, I started working on this project, putting together the proposal with everyone. So really glad to be here. I remember those initial conversations that we had too about this project. So it's it's always really cool when it when you see it happening yeah. um, from very beginning stages. So um, good. And Graham, I would love to hear your background. Sure. So uh, I guess, you know, the important thing, I'm a Scotsman and we always tell the truth. Um, <laughs> there's a big difference between Scots and English. My, my, my career started way back in the oil and gas industry. So at the other end of net zero. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> I did that for about a decade, um, and I did it in various different continents around the world, working with one of the big uh, oil and gas majors. And I moved from that to transformational change in predominantly the private sector, so working, um, again, uh, across all parts of the world with large corporations, typically, um, in every sector doing big, big change. And then I realized um, that actually the public sector was kind of a bit more interesting. So I got involved in a big, big engagement um, back in Scotland, surprisingly, um, to do a, a transformation for the whole of the Scottish public sector. And that really caused me to realize how profoundly interesting local public services in particular was. So I went back to the group and said, um, I want to get involved in, uh, in cities. And so I read the, led the business that we did at the time for uh, cities globally. Um, and then set up the last 10 years or so, Urban DNA with some colleagues, which is focused on city transformation. It's transformation of the market as opposed to transformation of individual cities. Yeah, yeah, very interesting background as well. So um, with that, I would love to get more into the project, of course. So for that, Nikita, I'm going to ask you for a little bit of an overview of the project. What are its objectives? What inspired the project? A little bit more about that. Happy to kick that off. And Graham and uh, Rebecca, feel free to jump in there. Um, actually, 
a lot of the project ideation when we we looked at a funding call that was from an Horizon Connect program, so not really traditionally the um, programs which focus on uh, supporting uh, cities. It was more general um, extending network kind of project uh, program. And um, we had this need that um, there were many cities, especially small and medium-sized cities, who were lacking support in their decarbonization journey. They had unique challenges which weren't being addressed and they weren't um, included in many of these pilot European projects. Uh, we were in discussion with many of the partners. So a lot of the project partners are partners we've worked on or worked with already on many different projects. And we realized that there is a possibility to extend the impact of the work that we are individually doing by creating this network of networks uh, with the purpose of supporting small and medium-sized cities uh, in their decarbonization journey by providing them tailored support. So the project is an 18-month project with um, seven different partners from across Europe. So we have um, Babel leads the project. We have Blocks Hub and We Build Denmark from um, Denmark, uh, Danish partners who are bringing in knowledge and insights from the work Danish cities are doing around decarbonization. Uh, Graham from Urban DNA bringing in knowledge from uh, the Small Giants Network and the work Urban DNA has been doing. The Southern Regional Assembly with the work they have been uh, doing on smart regions and decarbonization with many of the Irish small and medium-sized cities. Audras, uh, which is our partner who leads the CBNet network in Eastern Europe, an amazing network with lots of uh, cities who are currently facing challenges around their decarbonization journey. And then also the smart city cluster in Spain, also with a lot of experience around um, uh, working with cities and understanding their challenges. We all realize that we have already developed some resources, tools, have some knowledge, but have been focusing on only specific cities that we are working with and saw this really as an opportunity to create this network of networks where we exchange uh, knowledge that we have with many different uh, cities across uh, Europe, facilitate that dissemination of knowledge, foster collaboration between the small and medium-sized cities and um, uh, companies, SMEs, knowledge institutions, really help them, um, engage uh, with them and facilitate knowledge transfer. So those were sort of the main goals of the project, but happy for Graham and Rebecca to add in there. I also have a little bit of a follow-up question to you, Nikita, just because I like to play devil's advocate a little yeah. bit. There was a lot of buzzwords in there, collaboration, knowledge sharing, all yes. of these words. How do you actually make this a bit more, let's say, down to earth or practical? Good question, uh, Tamlin, and apologies for using so many. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> words They're there. good words. <laughs> Actually, when we were developing the project, uh, one of the things uh, during the proposal stage we did was we really tried to identify concrete actions and measures that we can take to support. And throughout the project, we have a specific activities that we've planned. So one of the activities is developing a training program uh, for supporting and providing really tailored knowledge to small and medium-sized cities. Um, uh, Urban DNA is leading an activity which is around supporting um, cities, small and medium-sized cities to connect with investors. So we have programs like these. We have many workshops planned for facilitating knowledge transfer between SMCs and SMEs um, and also a digital platform uh, forum plan specifically dedicated to small and medium-sized cities where they can address, um, uh, you know, for, uh, where they can share knowledge with with one another. So there are 
many different initiatives that we've planned, uh, which would help um, collaborate more and exchange <laughs> knowledge. Uh, <laughs> so you were really you, trying you, not to use uh, that word. Nikita, <laughs> you added another one in there in terms of um, <laughs> urban platforms and such like. Now, if I could pick up on that, Tamlin, um, you, it's really important. You need to speak in very simple, plain English or plain language, particularly with public sector and particularly with cities and particularly with small cities because um, uh, it just works better. And I think the, the one thing for me that I really like about the project is that that very grounded aspect of let's pick a topic, let's pick a sector, let's pick something that people do and see if we can tackle what the project is about in terms of learning and sharing and working together focused in the ground truth. And we've picked um, mobility. How do you fundamentally change the way that people move around a city as a, a very grounded topic? Everybody does it, whether it's a big city or a small city. The experiences are very, very different. And what we do know is we need to change. We fundamentally need to change from you know, using our own internal combustion engine cars to drive around to using more healthy transport, bicycles and such like by using public transport and such like. So that keeps it very grounded. And our hope is that we can sort of demonstrate how we can collaborate and work together better, how we can capture tools, methods, how we can teach each other what works and what doesn't work, most importantly, in that grounded sense, and then use that learning to work across some of the other sectors and, and areas of a city. And I think that's and it's so important with smaller cities because they they use plain language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the do. communication mes message there is really important. Um, can you, Graham? Can you elaborate a bit more on why you think SMCs really matter to reach decarbonization? The answer is really simple. Mm -hmm. SMCs, small and medium cities, represent the largest portion of the market, so we neglect them at our peril. Most people in Europe, in fact, most people in the world don't live in big cities. And these days, they tend to live in urban uh, environments rather than in rural. And um, so if, you know, depending on the limits of small in terms of small and medium, and I'm living in six, no, it's less than that, 3,000 people, I would still consider that in scope. Um, it's a place which um, which has all of the features of slightly larger cities and needs to change. And if you add up all of those small places, then they actually represent by far the largest part of the market. That's point number one. Point number two is that smaller cities are less arrogant than the larger ones, which are self-sufficient <laughs> and can do things, but they have challenges. They have challenges and it comes down to three. One is they don't necessarily have the capacity to solve all the problems. They may have a few experts, but they don't have experts on every topic. The second thing is they don't have access to money, and money matters more and more these days. So it's a capacity constraint, it's a money constraint, and the third constraint is they have difficulty engaging the market, the supply market. If you're uh, in the market in industry, big cities are great because you're going to get more business with them. Small cities are like kissing lots of frogs. It's quite hard to engage with them. So those are three really important blockers which we must address. But the good news, the good news is that smaller cities are agile, they're closer to their people, they're closer to their hinterland and agriculture and such like, 
and they can move in a more nimble manner. So if you do something in a smaller city, you see the results of that far faster. And that's the opportunity. So, you know, the, the, um, Nikita mentioned the small giants earlier. That's our opportunity to identify those that are doing progressive and fun things and really make sure that the lights shine on them um, in terms of the excellent work they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Rebecca, do you resonate with some of those things that Graham was talking about in your region? Absolutely. Um, from speaking to um, a lot of the cities in the southern region of Ireland, you know, their challenges are are the same challenges as, you know, other cities. Um, and I think uh, this project in particular, um, the the activities that have been set out really do target a lot of those big challenges. Um, funding, as Graham said, is huge and it was one of the first things that most of the cities said first it was it was their biggest Money. challenge yeah <laughs> exactly um and so you know through the digital platform um the project plans to you know create a fund finder um and telling any of the cities that I've spoken to about it that they were super engaged they were super excited about that they thought you know how is it going to be easier for me to find money um so that was one thing that was um yeah definitely a big hit um capacity you know people don't have the the time the the people the resources um and so I think in terms of giving real life experiences and and showing them best practices and showing what's been done you know through the site visits um we plan to do a lot through kind of capacity building um uh, matchmaking, you know, connecting, getting the right partners, that's a real struggle, um, again, as Graham said. Um, and so, yeah, connecting SMCs with SMEs um, who they might not have known about before. Um, and yeah, through the through the innovation workshops we plan to do, um, hopefully we can we can provide solutions. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested to see how, how that all works out. And Nikita, what do you think are the main challenges um, towards decarbonization that SMCs are facing? Do you think it's the money? What else What what else is it? Yeah, I would agree with the points that Rebecca and Graham already mentioned that um, funding is a challenge um, uh, and often uh, one of the first ones to be highlighted. But of course, as uh, they secure funding, there are other challenges that come along the way. I think having skilled workforce is an important uh, challenge. So resources, having capacity, but also having the right kind of capacity. We currently uh, supported actually one of the cities in Ireland in securing one of the small and medium-sized cities in securing financing for their net zero. And now they're actually also struggling to kind of fill the open positions who would actually support in the delivery of this work. So um, having skilled workforce who want to live and work from there uh, is also a challenge that they face. Um, the second part is definitely economies of scale. So, you know, the demand is much smaller when you think about the number of, uh, say, bike sharing systems that they want to uh, put in place or um, smart meters they want to uh, have installed and so on. So Collaborating with other cities is still not that easy. Uh, while everyone sees the need for it, there are still challenges around bringing all of this together. So I think um, that is definitely an important challenge. Another challenge that I think is key with small and medium-sized cities is the transportation infrastructure. So um, in many cases, people commute to bigger cities for work and re commute regularly in and out of the city. So there's longer distance travels. Of course, this has changed quite a bit with uh, COVID and hybrid working environment. But in many of these cases, having 
sustainable transportation infrastructure, which can really cater to the varying needs, um, is challenging while providing the accessibility and the comfort uh, that you get while owning a car, uh, mobilizing the private sector, which is something uh, Graham mentioned already, and I think definitely a challenge. We've, we've come across cities we've worked with where they've put out tenders and not gotten any response uh, to these tenders back. So uh, having a market and having access to the market who are looking at these tenders from small and medium-sized cities uh, is also a challenge when it comes to decarbonization because you want new and innovative solutions. Uh, but many of these SM, uh, SMEs or startups that are working on these areas might be in bigger cities, uh, might struggle with procurement regulations, which they have to address while working with smaller cities. So I think all of these um, challenges come together uh, when they're looking at decarbonization. That's a lot of challenges. <laughs> it feels like a lot, right? Yeah, that's so... the reality of cities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reality is it's a very complex environment with an awful lot mm -hmm. of challenges. Um, and, and unfortunately, the gap between the understanding in the industry of the sorts of policies and challenges of cities. There's a big gap between industry's understanding about what cities are. Um, that I think is a, is another significant gap between those two. So, so there's this project is about trying to close the gap between, I guess, three parties. One is industry, two is cities, and, and three is the investor. If we can start to tighten and, and have a, a common language, have a means by which they can communicate, then they'll be able to deliver for citizens, which is what matters. Yeah, yeah, very well put. And Rebecca, so you you, you mentioned it before on on a little bit of these challenges that Graham mentioned, but maybe also going back to what Nikita had had just mentioned, this mountain of challenges that we're facing. Um, how will the southern region in Ireland? Um, how will how will you? Which are the priority challenges that you're trying to tackle with this with this project? Yeah, I think um, I think best practices will, will be huge um, because a lot of the, um, all of the cities in Ireland are currently writing their climate action plans. That's kind of the, the first action, the first step that they're taking right now. Um, and so once they finish those, those will be completed in 2024, you know, they, they will want to start taking action. Um, and so looking to um, other cities who have come up with, against these challenges previously um, will, will really be able to help where they, where they start. Um, as well as that, um, yeah, the, the funding, um, particularly for small cities, you know, larger cities find it easier. Um, and so um, that was really a, a key key area that came up um, when, when speaking to my cities um, in particular. Um, so um, another challenge, again, that um, Nikita also touched on already um, was um, the, the skilled workforce. And it was something that was mentioned um, across the board. Um, once everyone uh, in, in Ireland in particular has finished these climate action plans, they're all going to be looking for um, the, the same suppliers. They're, they're going to have similar actions. Um, and that was one uh, worry that there's not going to be enough people to, to help. Um, so, and, and you know, are things going to be delayed because we only have a, a small number of SMEs to help with these challenges? Um, so yeah, um, it, it just goes back to capacity, resources. Um, everyone has everyone has the the vision and everyone wants to to do um, these actions, but is it going to be possible to to do them with the the workforce that we have? 
Yeah, yeah, very good points. And Graham, you, um, uh, Rebecca mentioned that um, basically there are uh, the best practices exchange is really important for the southern region. Um, what do you think is the best way that the this project can help facilitate those best practices? Um, how how can the project really do that? That's an interesting question. So. Um... Cities tend to respond to stories that they hear and see from other cities. So they don't trust, um, they trust other cities. They don't necessarily trust industry. Um, quite often, unfortunately, they come up with very good answers. Um, so that aspect of being able to show, I, I always hover between best practice and good practice. I think good practice is sensible. Uh, best practice sort of tries to say I'm doing better than. So good practice for me is a is a sensible way of a pragmatic way of tackling things. Um, and by being able to uh, to describe what it is and also importantly, how did I do it is really important. The opportunity for smaller cities and it picks up on something that Rebecca says in terms of capacity is if we can understand and get cities to focus on their commonalities as opposed to focus on their differences, then they can actually come up with functionally common solutions for shared challenges. If you have functionally common solutions for shared challenges and you can package those up like in Lego, then you can effectively do something and show it and it becomes something that can be adopted or adapted in another city. It's not one size fits all. It's actually providing the components that will help another city go with confidence because I saw it and it worked in that other city. Let me take that and tailor it for my particular context. And that's the, the, the working together bit, the collaboration bit, which is so vital. That's the, uh, the building of capacity. That's the sharing of tools um, to try and actually help this community work together to, uh, I hate this term, um, you'll hate this term, I use it a lot, I'm afraid, demand aggregation. <laughs> so how can you get economies of scale by aggregating demand amongst small cities? Um, the perception is that you can't do that because, you know, we're not paid to collaborate. We're not, the procurement rules stop us from doing that. Those perceived barriers quite often more than real barriers. And recent um, discussions I've had in, in internationally on this does reinforce that actually a lot of the barriers are fake. They're assumed. And if you just press and push at them, you, there's ways around. So I think particularly uh, public sector is, is stretched, is strained, and doing anything on the periphery different. You know, you're not motivated to do that necessarily. Um, and unfortunately, we have to work, at the we have to explore different ways of doing things. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest struggles that we face moving forward not just in this project, but just in the overall market. Yeah, and going off of that also, I was wondering if, Rebecca, you can comment a bit on what are your limitations, or as Graham might say, your assumed mm -hmm. limitations, um, or uh, potential limitations of the SMC Net Zero project, um, considering all the ongoing challenges of the SMCs. Yeah, um, well, Graham kind of touched on it um, as well, but I, I think, again, one of the biggest challenges was lack of capacity. Um, and so um, 
it, there's a worry or, you know, I, I certainly would have a worry that um, cities and, and SMEs will say, oh, it sounds like a great project, but I just don't have the time. And, you know, if they, if, if they could engage, you know, we could provide the solutions and we could offer the help. Um, and, and I've seen it already um, w- with some of the cities that I've reached out to. They said, you know, it, it sounds fantastic, but I just don't have the capacity. Um, so that is a limitation that is potentially out of our hands. But yeah, as Graham said, maybe we need to um, push um, a little bit harder because we do want to offer solutions. We do want to wa- offer help. Um, another challenge, um, again, you know, is kind of the legislation, regulations, procurement processes. Um, I think, um, you know, we may be limited in, in what we can change. Um, certainly, you know, I would love to hope to offer best practices or success stories. Um, but, um, you know, um, I think it, it will be limited in how, how far we can we can go with, with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, Nikita, I have a follow-up on that. You're very accustomed to cities saying, oh, I don't have time, right? What is your response? Yeah, it's actually one of the main challenges we see when we're supporting cities too. So I think what we are trying to do in this project and also in the work that we do is while we um, the project would require the specific individuals to invest some time and capacity to take part in the activity, the, our goal is that that time invested is going to lead to an acceleration in the work that they do save time later exactly save time and not just save time but rather go beyond and really uh, accelerate the things that they are doing you know also create a much bigger impact so that's also something that we would focus on so while they could invest their time and i think it's also hard for each of us right when we think about our own capacity building um it's always that there's so little time available but i i felt that every time i have gone through such a program or taken part exchanged knowledge with people it has helped me improve uh, and be more efficient and that kind of leads to much bigger benefits uh, over time and that's i think also um, uh, taking your point there rebecca i think um something that we need to make sure as we communicate the project activities too that we really clearly highlight the benefit that it's going to bring uh, and how it's going to make life easier in future because of the resources we are creating, also the tools that we're giving access to. Um, But I think that's a homework point for all of us to take from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And also, as we approach the conclusion of the discussion, I'm wondering if you can kind of walk the listeners a little bit through the milestones. Also, like already achieved, although I know it's a new project, um, but also some of the next steps in this journey. Um, yeah, we started off um, six months ago, less than six months ago. So uh, we're still in the process of developing many of uh, the activities. I think one of the biggest milestones currently is over the past uh, few months, each of the partner has interviewed uh, SMCs, uh, SMEs, and also EU programs, so existing EU programs that are supporting these uh, decarbonization activities uh, and are collecting a database of information and knowledge based on which all the 
other deliverables would be developed, which is a very important uh, resource that we are developing and which would be made available to everyone else too as we create this market report. So that's an important milestone for the project, which is happening next month. Uh, but after that, we have a series of webinars and workshops, which are primarily focused on um, facilitating matchmaking and knowledge exchange between our key target groups, which is the small and medium-sized cities, uh, the SMEs who are supporting decarbonization, and the investment community. So this is something that um, is going to be a big milestone over the next three months. We are also launching um, a digital forum uh, with tools, including the Funding Matcher tool that uh, Rebecca mentioned earlier, and a catalog of, as Graham mentioned, having um, good solutions and good practices. So having that kind of knowledge. So we are collecting this information now specifically for small and medium-sized cities, because that's something which we clearly see as a gap. A lot of the good practices shared across um, uh, many of the different portals and so on, also on the Babel platform currently, are tailored to bigger cities. And um, it's important for small and medium-sized cities to also see that there are success stories um, um, of which other similar-sized cities have done. Um, so that's also something that we are currently focusing on and will be soon uh, launched very soon. Did she miss anything? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Covered the bases. That's okay, good. Good, good. And now I like to also allow a little bit of open floor for anybody that would like to take it. You don't have to, but I always like to give you the opportunity now. May I maybe I missed something in the questions. Maybe you really thought, oh, this this idea, I really need to to make sure the listeners know about this. Um, does anyone have any uh additional comments before we close out the main interview part? Sure. I had a really oh Sorry, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it was very brief. Um, and it was just because you had asked me about the limitations. Um, you know, they, I am aware of that. But I think, you know, um, when putting the project together, um, it was that was thought about. Um, and so um, I wanted to also mention, you know, we're going to be doing podcasts and blog articles. So although we would like hope to engage, you know, cities and SMEs in all of the training, in all of the um, innovation workshops, we will have podcasts and articles that if, you know, you can't attend an hour and a half of, of a training, you could just listen to a podcast on your way into work. And then hopefully you are, you know, getting engaged, getting some information. And, it you know, it might lead cities then to coming to the digital platform or maybe coming to a training afterwards. So, um, you know, there's smaller ways to to engage with the project as well. Yeah, listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> thanks for that uh, promotion of the podcast. I always say that the podcast is great yeah. for busy people because you can do other things while you're exactly. also listening. Ideal. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, Graham, you also had something. Yeah, I was just thinking the the, the question of um, to, from most of these cities will be, what should I focus on, and how should I do it? Um, and the simple answer to that is. Um, there are two areas in terms of climate and such like you can make a big difference. One is around mobility and the second is around the built environment, so buildings. So those are two areas. Um, the solutions around those, if we can get uh, the cities together to discover and create together what tools and, and what approaches work or do not work, then that's that's the the podcast, the webinars, all of, that's the stuff that we'll be doing to actually tackle those two big big areas of improvement. Um, and I think the second thing it goes back to something Rebecca mentioned. Everybody's developing a plan. That's all very interesting stuff. 
Um, and these tend to be long, long documents that go on the shelf and nobody reads them. I think one of the most important things that a uh, small and uh, practical, pragmatic city needs is a simple visual roadmap. If we can say, what do you work on? These two big areas will make a big start. What are the logical things that you will do? And actually describe that as a roadmap, then that'd be really helpful. Produce those simple products, share them amongst the uh, cities, start to actually open that up to the SMEs, and then we're starting to get people trusting each other, changing the mindset. And at that stage, I think people will take the choice to take the time rather than say they don't have the time because they see the value from it. And that value is very real. And in financial terms, it's double-digit savings or benefits. It's not small, single-digit. It's double-digit, and it can be very big double-digit benefits. So there's a real, real potential, particularly for the smaller cities, to, to work together. And it makes the market better for the smaller businesses. So it's, it's a win all around. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, back to, there's a limited amount that this project can do, but there's a lot if we connect with other initiatives that are around to make it simple, to make it clear how, if I'm a small city in any European country, um, how do I actually access that knowledge across Europe? How do I compare context? How do I compare what they've done and learn from the ones that make sense? And understanding what vehicles will help with that is really important, which is why I think this project is practical, focused, and 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 will add value. Very good point. Uh, maybe just to conclude there, um, and as Graham mentioned now, um, the goal really is to create this network of networks to make all of this information accessible, right? So um, I would just say if you're listening in and are a stakeholder, any kind of player in the in the whole decarbonization value chains, a city, a small and medium sized city, or uh, a tool provider, a solution provider, or anyone who has something interesting to offer in this field, feel, please reach out to us. Um, you can join our website, uh, um, go to our website and find the information uh, on how to reach out. And uh, that's the best way because our goal here really is to make all of this resources and information that already exists because we know there's so much that's already available to support cities in their decarbonization journey, make all of this accessible. So please reach out if you have something interesting uh, that can help cities in their decarbonization journey. We would love to feature you and uh, share, uh, spread the word. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We'll link that in the show notes as well so that you can easily find it. Um, with that, now we're going to move on. No, we've been having fun already, but now we're going to have even more fun. Um, it's, a, it's a segment that we like to call Roll with the Punches. <laughs> my favorite and uh, the one I, I try to do for every interview, but my podcast coordinator doesn't let me do it for every interview. Roll with the Punches. Answer this or that questions quickly and with your first instincts. So don't worry. It's very fun. You're basically just going to answer questions as they come at you. And then at the end, you can kind of explain your answers as you'd like. And you're going to go in this order. So Nikita, you'll answer first as a veteran oh, of this. Um, I was going to say old, but you know, yeah, veteran better. the right word, yes. <laughs> um, then, then Graham and then Rebecca. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. 
Coffee. Coffee. Good. Uh, data sharing with neighboring cities or independent local data analysis for policymaking? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> That's difficult. <laughs> That's difficult, but I'm going to go with data sharing with neighboring cities. <laughs> same, same from me. Same. <laughs> um, next question is Ireland in the spring or fall. But Graham, you can answer for Scotland. <laughs> I was going to add summer there, but I would take spring <laughs> if that's not it. <laughs> Definitely spring. Fall. <laughs> Good. Um, small or medium-sized cities? <laughs> medium-sized. <laughs> both. Small. You can't pick both. <laughs> Graham, it's against the rules to pick both. You have to uh, choose. Small. <laughs> what did you say, Rebecca? Small. Okay, good. Energy efficient public lighting or smart waste management systems? <laughs> <laughs> um, smart waste management systems. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I have to say lighting because I launched a project 10 years ago on it. <laughs> Um, and I agree with Graham Lighting. Mm -hmm. Citizen co-creation projects or expert-led urban renewal strategies? Co-creation projects. Citizen-led. Citizen-led. Direct grants for established green businesses or startup incubators for emerging sectors? <laughs> startup incubators <laughs> for emerging sectors. <laughs> uh, I'll go with startups because it's a bit more innovative. Um, yeah, the second one, Startup Incubators. Okay, good. Yay. You made it through. This is one of the harder yeah, ones. Of the <laughs> picking up some odd terms. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And and what was that second thing you said? <laughs> That's the point. That's the point. Okay. Just to, just to throw you off. So um, do you want to explain any of your answers? Why did you say medium cities over small cities, oh, Nikita? Actually, <laughs> that was a tough one too. But I, I generally like the idea of uh, having um, a bit more of concentration of demand, which helps in making things more efficient in delivery of services, delivery in many of the activities we are doing. So I think um, they, they provide a good balance between uh, having a smaller group of people, of course, but still having a good concentration mm -hmm. of services and resources and so on. Good. Good answer. Good answer. Anybody <laughs> want to argue against it? <laughs> no, no, small no, cities. But I'd say I'd say that that, that smaller smaller cities have le even less capacity and even more challenges. And so, you know, if you're going to provide help, then helping that community would be really, really helpful. I and mean, again, add them all up, and it becomes big. <laughs> is, I, I actually answered the question as me liking a small, oh, like yeah. wanting to live in a small city. You want to live, the wants to live in a medium-sized city. <laughs> but okay, I, I, I would agree with uh, providing support to both, actually. <laughs> Nikita's like, we're going to change the name of this project. <laughs> it's going to be just MCs now. Medium. <laughs> no. I'm <laughs> um, good. Okay, the, I just want to ask about the lighting or smart waste management. 
that was uh, tr tricky to choose, actually. But uh -huh. I thought waste is a topic that's ignored in many cases. So, you know, there's a lot of focus on energy and mobility, but I think there's so much you can do around um, management of waste, also kind of circular economy and related yeah. topics, too. So that's why I thought I would like to highlight that one. <laughs> I agree. I, I had a great, great podcast episode around the circular economy um, a little while back, and it's still one of my favorite episodes. It was just really enlightening to me. So. Yeah. Anybody want to argue for the public lighting there? Graham, you said you had a project and that's why you picked that one. <laughs> yeah. So 10 years ago, um, we set up a project called the Humble Lamppost. Mm -hmm. And we called it the Humble Lamppost because everybody was talking about intelligent lighting and smart lighting and all this sort of things and talking lamppost. And I said, no, that's the Humble Lamppost. Every, you know, dogs do things on it that they perhaps shouldn't. And, and people <laughs> complain because the lights go out. And the intention was to launch a project across a number of cities so that you could get um, uh, economies of scale. Cities currently buy uh, lighting and smart lighting in incredibly small volumes. And if you um, increase the volumes, you get big, big discounts. So the thinking was it was going to be a quick win. That was back in 2014. And we still haven't managed to tackle this. And it really puts the point about how do you get cities to work together around things under stress and strain. The idea was to do something on a dead simple piece of infrastructure, which can be really multi-purpose to do lots and lots of different things and quickly move to something else, which is harder, like waste or mobility. We still struggle with the simplest of things. And there's a lot of learning in behind that, a lot of learning. So I don't know. I mean, that, that again, reinforces the complexity of change. Good. Um, any other justifications need to be made? <laughs> Otherwise, okay, good. <laughs> Otherwise, we move on to our last and final question. It's a question we ask every single guest that comes on to this show. And it is to you, what is a smart city? Rebecca, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, a smart city to me, um, so I guess I think about data and technology, um, uh, efficiency and enhancing the lives of, you know, the city inhabitants. Um, I More so than maybe that, I guess maybe the fundamental idea to me would be to um, create smart solutions um, that are going to offset and help the, the effect that urbanization has on climate change. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's more leaning in the climate direction for you. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I mean, like I do, I think about, you know, um, reducing traffic congestion and I think about, you know, reducing energy usage, but I think, you know, overall, yeah, it's, it's towards climate. Yeah. And, and absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So going off of that, what, what do you say, Nikita, how would you add on to that definition? Um, you, you've also answered this question before, right? Yes, this, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to keep it brief today. I think I would add on to what Rebecca has mentioned. So agree with everything uh, Rebecca mentioned. Um, maybe something that um, I have realized is an important element in the past years is the co-creation and working with citizens elements. So doing all of the technology-driven, data-driven stuff to achieve goals, uh, but working with the citizens to the uh, in the journey and bringing them along. So that's um, something that I think would be important. Yeah, good addition. And Graham, do you have more additions or changes? 
So uh, it's terrible. After 10 years and more, we're still trying to figure out what we mean by those two words. <laughs> um, yeah. We haven't even figured out how to define a city, to be quite frank. Um, so so a, a few quick answers to that. The first is it's a journey. It's not a destination. The second is that the simple answer from we would be a, a betterment, um, just betterment. Um, the, the, the slightly more sophisticated answer is, um, and I, I'm kind of gifted with the, the, the fund of defining smart city for ISO, the standards organization, 10 years ago. Um, and so got involved in actually understanding that. We looked at an awful lot of definitions, and they all seem to start with it's about technology doing something. So the ISO definition, which is slightly longer, and I won't read it out for you, um, starts in a different way. And it talks about radical change. It talks about uh, people working together, working cross silos and such. Like. And eventually it gets down to data and technology. And there's something about the order, which I think is really important. Um, but it is a shame that we're still arguing about it. I wish we could get on with it. <laughs> yeah, get on with it. Those are good final words, I think. Um, so with that, I have to thank all of you uh, from the bottom of my heart for, for coming on to the show, for saying all your great opinions and insights and all of that. So yeah, thank you to all of you for coming on. Thank, thank you. you. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank My you. pleasure. And to all of our listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, you can always create a free account on babble-smartcities.eu to find out more about smart city projects, solutions, and implementations. And remember to check out the SMC Net Zero website that we're linking in the show notes. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life. <laughs>